Hi there, and thanks for joining us. We've got three female business leaders on the podcast this week. One reworking a festival in its entirety, one setting up a new marketing enterprise, and one trying to do Bikram yoga during a pandemic. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Festivals, events, well, they haven't coped very well with COVID-19. And my next guest is the director of the biggest film festival in Cork every year. It's in its 65th year. And, of course, it's happening in a very different way this year. Fiona Clark uh, of the Cork International Film Festival. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for asking. Um, Fiona, you had a great plan um, and you had tried to tailor it to COVID-19. You might talk us through what happened just as you announced what that plan was. Sure. So from the beginning of the year, really, we'd been planning a a sort of a big celebration for the 65th, um, the festival being one of the um, being the the oldest film festival in Ireland and one of the oldest in the world. Um, And when the pandemic started, we we were very clear that we still wanted to to stay true to that and to our vision and our mission. And we had a strategic plan, but we were very um, clear, obviously, that we needed to adapt and evolve that plan and reimagine it. So we we planned for a blended festival of a combination of physical in cinemas and online and started, you know, in the spring, really, to explore what the digital options were and uh, in fact, we launched our own film club online and on a, on a digital platform and developed that as a proof of concept and and really to road test what that might look like for the festival just in case. Although I think all of us back in kind of May thought, oh, sure, this will be this will all be done and dusted by then. Um, but it was a it was a good thing to do because it meant that we were prepared. We had our blended festival already. We launched the program for that on the 14th of October. And I think about two hours after the launch, uh, the announcements were made and the government uh, restrictions were extended um, past, you know, into into November and then the wow. lockdown. So we, we pivoted um, entirely digital within 24 hours. And that was always part of our contingency plan. And that's no mean feat, it has to be said. Moving online, how difficult was that for you? Well, it was interesting. We had planned for it and we um, took the decision really early on, sort of in the spring, that we would explore the digital options. We, we attended online festivals ourselves to see how they were done and, you know, what worked, what didn't, what might fit us best. And always mindful that what we, we, we felt it was really important that what we did still needs to be true to what the festival is and who it's for and that needed to be relevant. So not just we'll throw some stuff online. It needs to be, we wanted to recreate as far as possible the festival experience of um, connecting with the filmmakers, having Q&As, live interaction and and also being able to screen um, Irish premieres. So we did a lot of research and we launched our own digital platform and did a trial film club in partnership with um, the Gate Cinema. Um, and that was a really good thing to do. It was it, it gave us the opportunity to road test and to, you know, proof of concept and to iron out um, and ask ourselves questions and work out how to do this just in case we needed it for um, for November. And then as we developed the plan into a, uh, into a blended model to be sort of ready for both, um, always our contingency was if... We, if, if venues were shut, if the restrictions were um, were extended and we weren't able to be um, in cinemas and in venues, that we could pivot entirely online. Mm. So right from the beginning, we put a lot of work into trying to negotiate dual rights for the theatrical and for the digital. And quite often they're, they're different rights holders. There's a lot of complexity in it and there was a lot of learning. Um, and, you know, so the team had to really kind of adapt. 
Yeah, but having said that, and I, I've experienced this with two other film festivals that I kind of dipped into this year, there's something nice about being able to put it on the telly at home. Um, you know, I, 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 I enjoy going to the cinema, and by God, I would love to be able to go to the cinema right now. But if you can't do it, then it's okay to watch it at home on the telly. It's okay uh, to pay absolutely. the few bucks. You know, and let's not beat ourselves up. It's I mean, Life's hard enough at the moment, and... Uh, you know, I, I, I love the cinema and I love the cinema experience and, you know, nothing beats seeing something on a big screen. But, you know, having the flexibility of watching from home and the comfort of your sofa, Chromecast to your TV, pause when you want to go and get a cup of tea or something stronger, um, you, you know, to be able to have that flexibility. And, and we've designed the festival so that there is that flexibility. You know, we know that people are working from home and home is a workplace as well as 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 a home place so you know it, it's harder for people to say oh i'm going to schedule to be to to do this event at this time so we've tried mm-hmm. we do have some schedule events some gala events and we, we really want to encourage people to join us at that time um and be be part of the action and feel part of the festival but all those films are then available for the for the, for the week of the of the festival so you've got the flexibility of of that and you know we've got we've got um, wonderful introductions and uh, from the filmmakers and Q and A's. So there's still that kind of discourse between you know sort of engagement as well. But you you do have the flexibility of it, and I hope that. Um, what it will also do is, you know, nobody can travel anywhere, but the digital festival means that anyone in Ireland can, um, you know, can travel to Cork and in fact can travel around the world through the film programme. Yeah, but but isn't that a good thing as well, though? Because you, you, what you have now is a festival that you don't have to physically travel to the cinema in Cork to enjoy. People around the country can yep. can look in and, and have a look at the schedule. And that's probably broadening the horizon in a way that COVID uh, allowed you to do, because prior yeah. to that, you'd have to physically travel to Cork. So are you expecting a lot of interest from outside the real capital, if I can put it that way? Um, we are, and I think you know. I, I think that is one of the sort of little bits of accidental, ma- uh, you know, magic that that has come about, and one of the you know the opportunities and the and the sort of bright side of of all of this. Um, I mean, I'll give you one example. We have a, um, a unique education and outreach program called Intin, which is a film and mental health and wellbeing program for young people, and we piloted that in cinemas in Cork um, in September last year, and we, it was massively oversubscribed. And we had plans to roll it out in April and May in schools all across, um, in venues across Munster, um, which obviously we couldn't do. So we've redesigned that and we've, we've packaged it as an online um, package with a webinar, with a workshop, with resources, all supported. And uh, managed to garner some um, sponsorship around that and support for that program. So we're able to offer that for free across the country. And I think we, it, we, we advertise it and within a day and a half, two and a half thousand students are already signed up to it. So, okay. uh, you know, that's a, that's, I'm really proud of that. And I think that's something that we can give back to the community. And it's a really good example of, you know, we, we work in partnership. None of this happens alone. We need, um, we need our, our, our funding investment. We need our business partners and commercial commercial partners and friends and we need audiences um, and you know we, we want we want to give a really great experience and a little bit of bring a little bit of joy from our homes into your homes um, in November during, well, the, no, during the lockdown. Uh, we, we need we need something to cheer us up let's face it and <laughs> what is on the schedule we haven't talked about any of the movies as of yet the main opening night film is a film called The Racer what is that about? Oh, this we're very proud to um, be launching the, the the festival online with um, with the racer. This is a brand new Irish film um, directed by Kieran J. Walsh, and it charts the uh, the the time in summer nineteen ninety eight when the Tour de France came to Ireland um, and in Dublin and and Cork. Um, so it's all set at that time, and it's a really 
It's a really great adrenaline rush um, sport drama. It's got some great humor in it, um, all about uh, the sort of professional um, cyclists and um, uh, one of them who is a support writer, so he's not supposed to win, but he gets, you know, he, he feels frustrated that he's not allowed to win. And there's a whole sort of story around that and um, doping in cycling and things. But it's just, it's, it's a really, you know, it's a really um, <laughs> fast paced, feel good, uh, energetic way to launch the festival. And, you know, we'll have loads of cast and crew joining us on the night. So it's going to be really, really fun. Well, it's bound to be better than my actual experience of the Tour de France, which is one of the first stories I covered as a news reporter where I positioned myself in the Silver Springs Hotel thinking, this is great. I've got the best vantage point ever to watch this. And they were all gone past me in about three seconds. And I remember going, well, that that wasn't such a good idea after all. There's lots of good stuff there. I think it's all available to view CorkFilmFest.org. I have to have a shout out as well for my mate Steve Canty, who's got the Christmas drop as a short this year. It, it's, a, it's a great little short in there amongst the many shorts that are there. But Fiona Clark, Fiona Clark, Festival Director and CEO of the 65th Cork International Film Festival. Can we wish you and everyone involved the very best of luck and uh, I'll have the popcorn ready. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Jonathan. See you there. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Now, my next guest has set up a new business. You might say that that's a small bit mad in the current environment, but hey, this is how we roll uh, in 2020. You might as well embrace it while you can. Uh, Alison McSweeney, CEO of Brand Hive Limited. How are you? Hi, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, it's good to talk to you. Now, you're from Cork. I am. I don't know if I've lost my Cork accent. I've been living in Dublin for so long. No, that's okay. It's still very strong coming through, so you're okay. It's it's good. That That's positive that you're talking to people in Cork as well. Tell us a bit about Brandhype. What do you do? So Brandhype was started um, earlier on this year. I actually quit my job in the middle of the pandemic, which, as you said, is a bit mad. But I really saw a gap in the market um, for a service that would help brands from start to finish. So I worked a lot in the past in my experience, with my experience with other retailers um, with small independent startups. And what I found was there was a lot of marketing and PR agencies in Ireland, but there wasn't a whole lot of agencies that would help brands with the start to the finish of the whole process. So what I mean by that is the manufacturing, the logistics, set up couriers, set up packaging, the whole like 360. So I had a lot of brands that would come to me because I work a lot with influencers and press and would ask me for marketing and PR advice. And then when I kind of looked at their business, I was helping them with other areas too. So that's kind of what started the idea. And yeah, I did, as I said, I didn't really see anybody else in Ireland at the time. And I could be wrong with that, but I didn't see anybody else really doing that. So that's when I took the chance. Okay. Well, and again, 2020. Why yeah. wouldn't you? Um, yeah. you? You have a lot of experience in retail. Now, retail is a down and dirty business, but one that's been completely disrupted in recent years. Did you see that disruption as an opportunity? Do you mean disruption as in with sustainability? No, disruption as in the entire thing moved online and and, and bricks and mortar were closing down. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, the, yeah, I've worked in retail um, for years now. And my first experience in the industry was actually working for a company that has stores and online. And they're online. I worked for them for four years and you could definitely see the move to online throughout that four years. Like it was very much shifting from stores. But what I will say, and I always say to people, is my best experience in retail was actually in stores Um, because you can't really ever beat that one-on-one interaction with customers. And, you know, online is amazing, but the feedback that you get when you meet customers in person is much more valuable. So I think that that's definitely one area that 
could do with some improvement in online is getting because like online you'll see all the data and the figures rolling in and you'll see you know what you're selling and what you're not selling and um how many people are on your page and how many people are shopping etc but getting that real feedback which is why customers don't like something like it's hard to get that online so i think that that's definitely one area that can be improved on with e-commerce mm. We've seen this rush to e-commerce as well this year, brought about because of COVID-19. And everybody now wants to get an online presence and wants to retail online. It's not that straightforward because if you have a brand that's traditionally associated with a bricks and mortar business, it doesn't automatically move online. And I'm guessing you've seen a lot of that, have you? That people tried to do the right thing and it went horribly wrong. What are the mistakes that people make? Yeah, so I, I do see a lot of businesses um, wanting to go online this year. And I suppose I've had a lot um, reach out to me in particular, because that is one thing that I'm trying to help businesses with. Um, I wouldn't say so much of a mistake, like there is no real, I wouldn't say mistakes, like everyone kind of um, has to do it their own way and has to develop their own tone of voice online. Um, I think that one mistake is when businesses just come along and they just um, throw money at it and they just don't really put the work into looking to where is prop- where to invest their money basically and what i mean by that is i've seen businesses for example from the uk who come to ireland and um, want to expand here and they'll just throw money at they'll google like the top 10 influencers and just you know throw money and they won't exactly have influencers or press that are on brand for them so i think that one thing that brands really need to do when they go online is figure out who their audience is develop a tone of voice and really like invest in the right areas um in order to be successful that's that's my opinion on it anyway Mm. how has it been though this year i mean again challenging times uh has it worked out to your advantage that you started in 2020 yeah definitely because as well as me starting my business in 2020 there's a lot of other people who have also you know had the time to get creative and who have you know been like i've always wanted my own business and you know now i have this time at home i'm I'm really going to put the energy into it so when people start businesses they often need people to help them or they don't know where to get started especially in the fashion industry i meet people all the time who are like i'd love my own fashion brand or i'd love to start my own clothing company and where do i get started and they might need help with manufacturing or you know knowing how to do fits and fabrics and uh, you know knowing who to go to for manufacturing so then you know, that's where my business kind of, my business is helping other startups. So yeah, I definitely think yeah. um, it was the right time to start. Do you, do you have to sometimes turn around to people and say, actually, do you know what? You're not even remotely close to getting ready to do that because the, the, you, you deal a lot with influencers um, yeah. and not taking away from the, the belief that they have in themselves, but some of them just aren't at the stage. There are those who are brilliant at it and there are those with a misplaced sense of confidence. Do you ever have to have difficult conversations? Um, yeah, I mean, anytime you work with people in general, it's um, it's never like straightforward. You know, I, I, when I used to work in stores, I used to manage people and that's challenging in itself. But um, no, do you know what? I think we're so lucky in this country to have influences, whether they're big or small. Um, they're one of the best marketing tools that businesses have. And I, as I said, I worked a lot with the UK brands and it's just not the same in the UK. Like the UK just don't have um, the same marketing abilities with them that we do. So I think we're so lucky to have them. Um, they're a great marketing tool. And yeah, I understand what you're saying about some of them. Some of the smaller ones maybe um, have big confidence. But um, no, I, I said some of the best results I've seen are from smaller influencers, not just the big ones. So um, yeah, I, I, I just think they're a great marketing tool. And I've, I never mm. have really any problems with any of them. I have to say, I'm very impressed with your website because you've got a picture of a lovely dog sitting on the couch next to you. Who's the dog? That's Bambi, my rescue dog. She's actually sitting here beside me. 
<laughs> and how's Bambi at being able to pick out a good idea? Um, she's good. You know what? She's kind of wrecking my head this year because the more time I spend at home, the more the harder it is to actually get out for an hour because she's like, where are you going? You live here with me now. Like, <laughs> where are you going? So she's getting clingier by the day. And I'm like, no, Bambi, this is a temporary situation. It's not long term. <laughs> But look at again, you'll get out for a walk and you'll have your fun, so it's all good. Alison, it's really, really good to hear of a business that started up, is doing well, and you've been able to do it all from your couch. And that's yeah. that's 2020 in a nutshell, it really is. The website is brandhivelimited.com and you'll find all the details there. Alison McSweeney of Brandhive, thanks so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you so much for having me. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Now, my next guest has had quite the experience of COVID-19. Uh, her business is something I know absolutely nothing about. So I'm I'm looking to get stuck into it to find out just exactly what it is and whether I'd be able to do it at all at all. Kate McNamara of Bikram Hot Yoga Studios. How are you, Kate? I'm very good, Jonathan. I actually passed your studios on the Tremor Road the other day. I knew I was going to talk to you, so I know where you are. Um, you have a lovely premises there that you'd kitted out, ready for everything that COVID could throw at you. You had just about opened and then you had to close again. Yeah, that's that's kind of it, really. We We put a lot of investment into the premises over the last six weeks, upgrading ventilation and shipping some units in from the UK, UV units that filter the air. And we opened on the, I think it was the 2nd of October and we closed three days later because of level three at that point. Wow. Okay. How disheartening was that for you? You can imagine. (laughs) You can imagine because the lead up to actually opening was, there was a lot going on, uh, changing up the website looking at kind of ways that we can operate safely for everybody so everyone feels very uh, taken care of and happy and um, delighted to be in the studio. So there was a lot of physical changes, a lot of uh, website changes. And of course, during this period, there was all of these rumors, um, which I think is the hardest part of running a business at the moment. This kind of, um, we're going into level two, we're going into level five, we're going into level three. It's constantly changing. So that was all happening. Then I got the go ahead that we weren't going into level three and we opened and three days later we were in level three. So I think for me anyway, as a business owner, that has been the most challenging part of it mm. because I'm very passionate about what I do as I think a lot of small business owners are. It's not a 40 hour a week. It's much more than that. And we want to do what we want to do and we want to provide the service and um, that we provide. And then you've got all this playing on in the background. So that yeah, no, it's, 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 it's far from ideal for everybody. But look, let's talk about the yes. business anyway, not about the crisis. Yes. What is a yes. Bikram hot yoga studio? So Bikram yoga is a style of yoga that's performed in a heated room, a 40 degree heat, which normally people gasp at. And That's very warm. I, I've been in 40 degree heat on my holidays. I, I, I'm, I could barely move without breaking a sweat rather than do yoga. Yeah, um, exactly. That That's what most people kind of think. Oh, my God, 40 degrees, I'd pass out. But it's a different kind of feeling than if you were to get off the plane in Turkey and you kind of feel exhausted. You go in, you feel very warm initially. And you feel much hotter as you go through the class because that's when you're exerting yourself. You're going through the postures. And there is a purpose behind it. It's not just to kind of torture people. The reason we're using heat is to kind of make sure that the body is moving very safely and much deeper into these postures. Um, There's an element of sweating, which is your body's own air conditioning system. So through the sweating, through the kind of movement, you're getting a lot of physical improvement in your mobility 
you're releasing a lot of tension and stress that can be held in the muscles, the tissues, or the tissues and ligaments of the body. And then you also have the cardiovascular effect, which is sometimes not always there in other styles of yoga. So your heart rate is increasing at different points in the class, and there's a specific sequence of postures. So you accelerate your heart rate, then you bring it back down, accelerate it again, bring it back down. Um, so that's kind of, that was the draw for me initially. I loved doing yoga, but when I got to do a style of yoga in heat, then I really, really enjoyed it. I felt incredible afterwards. Right. Um, again, it's it sounds uncomfortable. How quickly do people kind of uh, become overrun by the heat, or do they? Um depends on how they approach it. So obviously myself and all the, the other teachers will give you all the information you need in advance. One of the main things is to hydrate and the other thing is to take it nice and easy. So I put zero pressure on anybody who comes into the studio. And particularly, to be honest, I watch the people who are more experienced when it comes to different types of fitness because they're the ones who push themselves too too much too quickly so the the emphasis is on nice and slow take breaks sit down anytime you need to i mean i literally say when people come in if you sit down for half the class or 90 percent of the class it is not going to bother me because you're going to be learning by seeing and by listening and obviously you'll be learning by doing too but you just have to become acclimatized to the heat and that takes a little mm. bit of time a couple of classes and uh, do, look and again this is this is a silly question because it's uh, any gender based question tends to be silly is it more for men than women or women than men or or who is more prone to bikram yoga um, I have a really good split between men and women and all different ages as well and different abilities. And that's one of my favorite parts of running the studio, the diversity in the room. So I could have an 18-year-old college student and a 75-year-old you know, retired person. And they're both doing the same class, but they're just doing it in their individual way that, to the best of their ability. And so you will have, yeah, like a good split, 50-50 some days between the men and the women. Um, I think... More often than not, you'll find more women in yoga classes. But this particular style, it does attract more guys than your typical style of yoga because uh, they tend to have more muscle mass. Mm. So movements for them, bringing their arms over their head can be a little bit more challenging. So when you add the heat, it makes it much more accessible. All right. Um, And does it help with weight loss? Because I mean, that's what I'm instantly thinking. Sweating profusely in a room while exercising should lead to a little bit of the belly disappearing. If only it was that easy. Step into the sauna, like two sizes smaller. Um, I I answer this question very carefully because I am in no way um, going to say this is the magic answer to anybody's weight loss concerns. What happens is, yes, it does help with weight loss, but not in a kind of very simple way. It helps with weight loss in the fact that you're going in, you're exerting yourself, but it also gives you an opportunity to kind of stand on the mat. You have you're working in a room that has a mirror in front of you, so you become very aware of you know, your ability to be able to move your comfort level in the heat, then you're also encouraged to drink a lot of water. And that in turn kind of helps you be very mindful about what you're eating because you know, okay, I'm going to do class later today. I'm maybe not going to have X, Y, Z to eat right now. I'm going to have something a little bit lighter, a little bit more healthy because if I go in there and I've had, you know, uh, McDonald's and a large Coke and this and that, I'm going to be sweating that out and I'm going to be knowing all about it. Mm, yeah. So there's two goals, you know, like physically in the room, you're you're exerting yourself, you're using a lot of energy, and also you become very, very conscious or mindful of uh, being more healthy with your choices through food. 
Well, you didn't set up the business uh, to be a runaway success overnight and presumably you're there for the long haul. Looking forward to a post-COVID era, whenever that may be, do you think that the good people of Cork will embrace Bikram Yoga? I think so, because over because we've been closed since March, I've seen a massive uh, support from the community, as I'm sure a lot of small businesses have, because one of the positives of this is, is that people have reached out and said, we really miss the studio, we miss the classes, we miss the staff. And it genuinely is so nice to hear and it has lifted me up on days where I felt like, oh, my God, is this ever going to end? Um, so, yeah, I definitely think like the, the couple of days that we were open in October, there was such excitement. People were dying to get in. They were just delighted to be there. Um, it is very challenging um, uh, the not knowing when this is going to come to a point where we can operate normally. That's clearly the very challenging part. But I didn't get into this uh, because it was easy. I got into this because I loved it. And I'm certainly here to kind of persevere through it and make some smart choices around the business, like doing online classes. It isn't the same, but it is what we can do right now. Okay. And are you still practicing at home? I mean, have you have you got a little room in the house that you can heat up to 40 degrees or, <laughs> or do you still pop into the studio? Um, I do classes at home and I do have to go to the studio just for practical reasons sometimes. And I will do class in there too. So a combination of both online classes uh, or practicing at home is uh, is actually something I would never have really thought I would be into up until the point where we were forced. To do it. How how do you, how does one recreate Bikram hot yoga in the comfort of one's own home in an online class? <laughs> you don't um, sit next you, to the kettle. <laughs> you sit in on top of the fire. I have a small heater which is actually really effective and if you're not in a very very big room it's perfect you're not going to recreate the the level of heat the 40 degrees but you certainly will get to maybe 30 32 degrees which is plenty okay um well it sounds it sounds sticky and wonderful uh, and all the things one might expect it to be and fingers crossed that the restrictions will be lifted soon enough Kate, for you to get back in to bikram hot yoga studios on the tremor road we wish you the best of luck keep going with the online classes and and fingers crossed we'll be uh, we'll be chatting again sometime next year and all will be well. Kate McNamara of Bikram Hot Yoga Studios, thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thank you, Jonathan. My thanks to all of my guests this week. Don't forget you can listen back to every episode of Red Business. They're available now on redextra.ie. Myra Hayes-Goff was the producer and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. 